morning. Let us stand together for our call of worship. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet we do not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us pray. Lord of creation, today create in us a new rhythm of life, composed of hours that sustain rather than stress, of days that deliver rather than destroy, of time that tickles rather than tackles. By your ever restful grace, allow us to enter your Sabbath, rest as your Sabbath rest enters into us. In the name of our creator we pray, amen.
Amen. What a glorious way to remind us of all that God has done for us and to give thanks to Him. We are so glad that you are here in worship today, whether this is your first time here or this is the regular place where you worship. Uh, we are glad to be together worshiping our God. Let me encourage you to take a few moments and share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship this morning. You'll notice there are a number of inserts in your bulletin uh, about ways you can be involved both in uh, being ministered to and in serving others. Uh, Sunday school began today uh, during the 940 hour. There is a class meeting uh, at 11 as well, but we'd love to have you involved in Sunday school if you haven't been. And you see some uh, options there for adults, and of course there are classes for all ages of children as well. There's also an insert about getting connected, uh, ways that you can serve and use your gifts and uh, help others in their journey as others help us. So if you're interested in knowing more about how you might serve in some of those ways, just mark that sheet. You can drop it in the offering plate a little later or in the box in the back. Uh, there's also an insert about the nursery as well. I do want to, uh, to mention uh, that the, the funeral service for Storer Emmett will be today at 2 o'clock here at the church. And I know that the family has appreciated the prayers and support of the congregation, and we invite you to be a part of this gathering this afternoon. This is also the beginning of Christian Life Emphasis Week. This is an important time in the life of our church and the, the greater community, the college, and uh, so we, uh, we want to involve you in this. You see a schedule on the back of the bulletin. The services will be tonight, Monday night, Tuesday night, and then in chapel, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and all those events will take place in the chapel, except tomorrow night will be in the coffee shop in the basement of Campus Center. Our speaker this year is the Reverend Dr. Meredith Griffin, Jr. He is a founding pastor, senior pastor of the Harvest Christian Fellowship in suburban Williamson, Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, he, in, in addition to his pastoral role, Dr. Griffin has served as adjunct instructor at a variety of institutions. He holds a, a variety of leadership positions in the Chesapeake District of the Wesleyan Church. And he serves as the leader of black and African-American ministries of the Wesleyan Church. He is uh, very active in, in the community uh, where he lives. He serves on the school board. He's involved in other educational initiatives and uh, is a part of the church and their presence in their community. He holds a bachelor's degree in finance from Hampton University, a master of divinity from Biblical Theological Seminary, and a doctor of ministry from Regent University. He lives with his wife, Doris, in Newark, Delaware, and they have two college-age children, Rolanda and Meredith. We are excited to have him here and sharing with us. I hope that you will be able to come to uh, as many of the gatherings as possible, whether they're in chapel in the morning or the evenings, because I believe this can be a significant time for us as a church and as a community as we begin this semester, begin this academic year with our focus on God.
reading today comes from Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago, and you are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and sing the doxology as the ushers come forward to receive our tithes and offerings. we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we can always trust in you. With this offering, we worship you and give our whole selves to you. Please now take it and use it for your kingdom and your glory. Extend and multiply its reach and influence, we pray. May it be a great blessing to many. We ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
leading us in worship. It's just a, a privilege for us to have you here. And thank you for that reminder that we have so much for which to give thanks to God. I am continually reminded that uh, of, many, of the many ways in which Thanksgiving is appropriate and reasons we give thanks. And one of those is that we can come to God honestly and openly. And He forgives us. And He loves to forgive us. And so let me invite you to join me in the prayer of confession in which we are honest with God about our struggles and our sins and hear His word of forgiveness. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we confess that we often fail in our calling to be your holy people, a people set apart for your divine purposes. We are often more cynical than hopeful. We are moved more by private ambition than by justice for those who need it most. We dream more of privilege and benefits than of service and sacrifice. We too often try to live in our own power rather than yours. Forgive us, revive us, reshape us in your image, reminding us that though our sins are as scarlet, in your grace they are made white as snow. Amen. Father, we do thank you for the gifts you have given us, including the gift of forgiveness. We thank you that you call us to come before you and to offer our prayers. And we know that you hear us when we pray. This morning, Father, we come with a variety of needs and we lay them at your feet. We pray, Father, for, for all who are grieving today. And we think particularly of Wilma Emmett and her family. We ask that your comforting grace would be upon each of them. Surround them with your arms of love. May they know your healing power in their lives. We pray, Father, for all who are struggling with health issues. We think especially of Eli Knapp, Louise Princell, Laura Habecker, Adrian Butine, Hudson Hess, Nancy Cole, Patty Plaza, Brian Orbacher, Peter Lingenfelter, Ellis Brotsman, Chuck Barrett, Cheryl O'Brien, Ben King, Doris Asepian, Isla Shea, Sheldon Emerson, for Bill Getty, for Warren and Ella Woolsey, for Mike Raybuck, Deb Rett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Emily Cricklove, and others who may be on our minds today. And we pray for your healing grace in their lives. Father, we, we pray that you will work in our relationships. So often we are better at fracturing relationships than we are at healing them. And so we pray that you will heal those broken relationships. We pray that you will help us to trust you for the future, especially in the moments when we may feel anxious frightened. We pray, Father, for the financial needs that we bring with us today. We trust you to meet those. Father, we thank you for being present in every moment of our lives. We pray, Father, for the ministries of this church. We thank you 
for all the ways in which you've given us the privilege to serve one another. But we also pray for the ministries of other churches. And today we pray for the Peace Wesleyan Church in Levant, Pastor Clayton. Pour out your spirit on this congregation of believers, that even as they meet this morning, may they be bound together by your love, that they may go from their worship to love others. In your name. Father, we pray for our nation. We pray that you will pour out your blessing upon uh, the leaders of our nation, that they would discern your will, your mind, your heart. We pray, Father, for unity in our nation that has become so divided. And we pray for the people who have been most affected by the hurricane in the Gulf Coast, the people of Houston, the people all up and down the coast who have been and continue to be devastated by this natural disaster. We pray that you will give comfort to those who are grieving. We pray that you will heal those who have been injured. We ask that you would bring hope into a situation that feels hopeless. And may your church, your people, be right in the middle of a, as, as a presence of your spirit and your grace. We pray, Father, for our world, for refugees who struggle to find a place to live, a safe place, desire to be home. We pray that you would help them. We pray for places of war and conflict. We hear of more tests in North Korea. And as that situation seems to be escalating, bring peace. Peace that you alone can bring. Miraculous peace. Father, we, we pray for your church around the world. I think especially of Station Niver, Jackie Algier, as they are beginning their work, and one in Eastern Europe, one in Morocco. Pray for your grace upon them and that they would settle quickly and would, would soon be able to learn languages and do all the things they need to do that would enable them to bear witness for you most effectively. And we pray for our brothers and sisters who live in dangerous places of the world. Think especially of the Christians in Uganda. They have been through so much. And now as they face more opposition, more harassment, more threats, protect them, fill them with your peace, your grace, and may they bear witness of your love every day. Father, as we... As we enter this Christian Life Emphasis Week, may your anointing be upon us. Bless Dr. Griffin as he speaks this morning and throughout the week. May it be clear that your spirit is speaking to what we need to hear. And we pray that it will be clear that our ears are open to hear what you have to say. May this, this week be a turning point in this church, in this college, in the community, and far beyond. We would look back and say that was a moment that changed things, that God was at work in a special way. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness to us. Give us your grace to be faithful for you. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. reading today comes from Romans 8, 18 through 21. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration 
not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. This is the word of the Lord. At this time, children are invited to go to Children's Church. March of 2008, then candidate for president, Barack Obama made a speech in Philadelphia. And it was a speech that at the time was thought to be something that was going to change the course of our country. It's most often called his speech on race. And in that speech, 
then-candidate Barack Obama talked about the hope that we ought to have in this country. He talked about his own experience growing up in a multi-ethnic setting. And I remember that after that speech, everyone began to talk about how we in this country had now, even after our long, rough history regarding ethnic relations and race relations, how we had turned a corner and we began to talk about how our country now stood as post-racial. And then over the course of the last eight years, we saw Ferguson, Baltimore. We saw Charleston, South Carolina. And most recently in our history, Charlottesville, Virginia. And so I, as an African-American pastor, have stood in my pulpit in Wilmington, Delaware, and after each and every one of those events has happened, I have found myself throwing away whatever notes I had for that Sunday because in the prophetic nature of my calling as a pastor, I needed to deal with what was going on right then. And just last month when the events happened in Virginia, I found myself again as I was glued to CNN and MSNBC all Saturday morning, afternoon, and into the evening. I found myself wrestling with now, what do I say again? Because it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about having turned a corner and everything was now going to be lovely. Can't we all, in the words of Rodney King, just get along? And yet here we find ourselves again with me having to stand and say, I don't have an answer. And, and allow me to be brutally honest with you here this morning. I stood up that Sunday morning to my congregation and I preached very candidly and openly about what do we do to deal with the anger that we have on the inside. And next week I had to come back and say, not only do we have to deal with that, but we have to deal with something else. What do we do when we might perceive that our hope in a difference being made, our hope in the change that we all desire to see, what do we do when we perceive that our hope is waning? Archbishop Desmond Tutu said that hope is knowing that there is light despite all the darkness. And so I find myself encouraged by the words of Paul in Romans chapter number 8. And I, I find that when Paul says that it really does not matter that the sufferings of this present age, the things that we have to see and deal with, the things that we find ourselves personally or as a congregation or as a country going to all this stuff, that might at the same time make us both lament with sadness but boil with anger. All of these things pale in comparison. They're not worthy to be compared with the glory of God that will be revealed to us. 
And then Paul says something that I think we all need to take away because I absolutely believe that the world is waiting. I believe that not just the world talking about the people who inhabit it, but every aspect of creation is groaning, eagerly awaiting with hope that we, the church, the sons and daughters of God might be revealed to be who God has called us to be. Because if the church can't get it right, How can we ever expect that the world we inhabit will? So this morning, I simply want to spend whatever time I have in front of you talking about the fact that I know that hope is here. That it doesn't matter what we hear on television or the radio. It it doesn't matter what we read. It, It really doesn't matter. Hear me what external forces might say. All that matters is what we know for ourselves. And so before we as believers in Jesus Christ, before we as the local church can go out and help anybody else, we've got to come to grips with the truth for ourselves. Paul, in addition to those words that were read in our hearing this morning, Paul wrote another letter. He wrote a letter to one of his sons in ministry, Titus. And in the second chapter of that letter, he says something that I think again affirms the fact that we ought never be without hope. He says in Titus chapter 2 and beginning at verse number 11, for the grace of God has been revealed. Now, I I wish I could just stop right there. But I'm going to read that again because that to me is already, we're at the end, at the beginning. For the grace of God has been revealed. That God, when he loved us enough to give himself, when he loved us enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, that in that moment, the unmerited favor, that thing that neither you nor I can work ourselves into, the grace of God had been revealed to us. And then he says, bringing salvation to all. The hope that we have been looking for, the hope we long for, the hope that the world so desperately longs for and needs, the hope that we need is in Jesus. But what happens when the believer finds her or his hope waning? The first thing I believe we've got to do is fight against the onslaught of an absence of hope. I I don't know about you, but I, I find myself more and more in the day and time we find ourselves living in, coming into contact with people who have simply given up who don't believe that there is any way that the things that we are seeing can ever be any better. They are what I say when I talk about us fighting against the absence of hope. Because you need to understand that the absence of hope will always lead us to have certain feelings about not only ourselves, but the world we find ourselves living in. Think about this. When I live without hope, the very next thing I find myself dealing with is despair. I don't have any hope. Then I don't believe the sun ever comes out after the clouds. If I don't have any hope, 
then I don't believe that my situation can ever get any better. If I don't have any hope, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me if I don't have any hope? I begin to wonder, God, have you forgotten my name? The absence of hope not only leads to despair, but the absence of hope leads us to a longing for this current situation to end. And hear me, when we long, long enough for the situation to end, believe me, it doesn't matter how it ends. And so now, whatever, watch this, the next bus that comes... I don't care where it's going. Give me a ticket to anywhere because anywhere has to be better than here. And so when we lived with a when we live with a prolonged absence of hope, we find ourselves leaning to our own understanding. God, I just got to get out of this in any way I can because I don't believe that you are hearing my prayer anymore. God, I got to get out of this any way I can because I can't see my way clear to what's going to happen after this. And I need a relief. And how dangerous is that when you're a believer? So we have to fight against the absence of hope. How do I do that, preacher? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) See, I believe, secondly, that everybody longs for hope. But that our hope is satisfied in Jesus Christ. So that thing that everybody is looking for, and you you heard the song, looking for love in all the wrong places, that thing that everybody is looking for, running and trying to find, we have the answer. And the answer has a name, and his name is Jesus. Let me read to you again what Paul says. Paul says in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all. And then he says in verse 12, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Watch this. Verse 13, while we look forward with hope. Paul says to Titus and I in turn say to us all the fact that we know that Jesus Christ is alive and doing well. The fact that we know that both the cross and the tomb are empty. The fact that we know who holds tomorrow and who holds me. That means that it does not matter what I see around me. Hope is here. And as long as I can call on the name of Jesus... I have everything I need to fight against the absence of hope. That's what the world needs. See, the world doesn't need another church that simply preaches Christian platitudes, but that brings them the hope that comes from he who yet lives. So we fight against the absence of hope. 
by our clear recognition and understanding that the hope that we long for is satisfied in one place and one place alone. And that is in Jesus Christ. But the question that we yet must answer is why? I love the prayer of confession that we all on one accord recited today. Because it's right where we as a culture need to be. Because left to our own devices, each and every one of us thinks of ourselves and ourselves alone. I've always said and got it from my grandmama that self-preservation is the first law of man. That I'm always going to think of me first and that prayer calls us to always be other focused. So then we have to wrestle with the question, then if I am going to fight against the absence of hope and I understand that my longing for hope is satisfied in Jesus Christ, what is that all about? Simply this, we, the church, and that's church with a big C, we, the church, That's church universal. We, the church, the local church, in all of its many and varied expressions, we, the church, hear me, we are the hope of the world. Paul said, the whole of creation is groaning eagerly anticipating the revealing of the sons of God. Twofold truth and meaning there, that one day all of this will be burned away as dross and God will reveal us and himself for who he is for all to see. But until then, we have a charge and a call that without regard To what I may desire, that I am always and ever becoming. The thing I love about that verse is that Paul says that it's not just people, but the whole of creation. That everything that was subjected to its current state because of the fallen nature and sin of man is waiting for somebody, anybody, and that somebody and anybody is us, the church, to exalt the name of Jesus Christ and say, Holy Spirit, take me and make me yours. Because when I begin to see myself the way God sees me, I begin to act differently. And when we collectively, regardless of whether I am black or white, whether I'm Latino or Asian, it does not matter. When we all come together recognizing that our hope is built on nothing less but than Jesus' blood and righteousness, then creation begins to see What it has been waiting for. Sometimes, y'all, we just need to turn the channel. Ain't nothing being said new on any network. Might be a different talking head, but it's the same message. So hear me. 
If I have to listen to the same message every day, then I choose to listen to the message of hope. I choose to listen to what God said about his creation and not a network. I choose to believe who God said that not only I am, but who we all can collectively and together become. And I believe absolutely that we can still today, because Jesus Christ is Lord, have the audacity to believe that it can still be better. Reverend Dr. King said we have to live and accept finite disappointments, but never give up infinite hope. Doesn't matter what it looks like today. We are Easter people. Doesn't matter what happened in a trial on Thursday. Doesn't matter what happened on a cross on Friday. Because we are Easter people. And Easter is about the resurrection. That regardless of what today's circumstance looks like. I, because he lives, can have hope in tomorrow. It's my encouragement to you is my encouragement to me. I tell my local church, I say to them, I say, listen, preaching for me is easy because I preach to myself. (laughs) The message you heard is the message that God spoke to me all week long about me. And you just get to eavesdrop on our conversation. So I encourage you by way of encouraging myself that hope is here and his name is Jesus. Won't you pray with me? God, we humble our hearts. We confess our sin. We repent of our hard-heartedness. And Lord, we ask you right now in that name that is above every name. That Lord, in the places and in the times when we find our hope running short. Our faith and belief beginning to wane. That you remind us. That hope is not a thing. He is a person. And that as long as we can believe that you loved us enough to send your son to die on a cross for our sin. As long as we can believe the truth that the tomb on the third day morning was found to be empty. As long as we can rest assured that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on our behalf. Lord, as long as we can believe those things, then it doesn't matter what we might find to be suffering in this present age. It doesn't matter, Lord, what those who don't know like we know might do, see, say, or believe. God, we are called 
to be different. We're called to bring hope. So help us as we fight against the absence of hope. Encourage us that our hope is satisfied in Jesus. And send us that we, individually and collectively, your church, can be the hope that the world needs to see. This we pray in the matchless name of our elder brother, in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, in the matchless name of our soon coming King. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray and we all say, Amen.
receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen.